galore. I'll go to Afghanistan. Uh-huh. And they started court-martialing him. And, uh, um, you know, we'll see uh, how that works out. But, uh, you know, thank you to the people who are standing up. Thank you to the people at Center for American Progress and who are standing up. So that's it. Don't forget, fundraiser starts next tomorrow. week. Is it tomorrow? Oh, tonight, midnight, or 6 a.m. Yeah, fundraiser. So get your cash in early. <laughs> Mike Perini's coming up next with Pandora's Lunchbox. Please try to remember, we are all related. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know? Stay away. Oh, I said, hand off his box, a box of chocolates. Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. It's Pandora's Lunchbox and WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and about culture and about how food can make a difference in people's lives. And I have a guest today, Dory Gaines. Hello. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. And you've been very busy with a number of projects in Tanzania, Africa. That's right. Tanzania, Africa. And one of them is called the Olivolos Project. Can you tell us about that? The Olivolos Project has actually come out of um, the past two summers I've been spending some time in Africa. The first summer I was teaching English um, at a primary school with a volunteer organization. And one of the things that I decided I needed to do upon coming back to the United States was find a sustainable way to uh, donate back to the community. So the first thing I came up with was a chicken project, which was called the Atima Project. Um, And that was last summer. And what we did was raise enough money to donate 300 chickens and three chicken coops at um, different centers in Tanzania. So the last center we visited was called the Olavolos Village. And that's how this project originated. So we are now trying to help the Olavolos Village with um, the Olavolos Project. And that's going to be mainly to build an orphanage and school for 250 kids. Um, Some of them are orphans. All of them are really poor, and none of them are able to um, really support, um, none of the families are able to support the kids um, and get these kids going to school. So we're trying to get them to school, get them some food and a place to stay. So right now there is a facility there, correct? That is not correct. Um, Actually, Jane um, is this woman who started this amazing organization, and she, with the help of her husband, um, has tried to bring in all these kids that were originally not going to school. And so she has provided them the uniforms so that they can attend the government-funded schooling. And then they come together on the weekends um, for weekend activities. She gives them two full meals on Saturdays and Sundays. That's one of the um, her center's main priorities is giving them at least two big meals on the weekends. But the problem is they don't, um, most of the orphans don't have a place to stay right now. So we're okay. trying to help out with that. So they bring them in for the weekend just in a, in a place just for the afternoon? Or, yep, yeah. just for the afternoon. If it's bad weather and it's raining, there's much fewer of them there because there's no um, no real cover for them. So they're out in the open most of the time. They have a nursery school that's run right aside Jane's house. And it's um, there's a volunteer teacher, and he comes in uh, Monday through Friday. And the kids are there from 8 to 12. If they're lucky, they get... Um, 
porridge at about 10. If they're really lucky, they get porridge and some biscuits sometimes, but it's pretty inconsistent and they're mm. just looking for um, some type of reliable food source for the kids. And that was um, one of the great things about this last project with the, the chicken coops. Um, and now they're have they're, they're able to produce about 100 eggs a day. Um, there's 100 chickens, and each are laying an egg at least a day. So those chickens um, and the eggs are being used specifically for those kids. So I thought it was very interesting. You were talking uh, to me earlier in email about chickens as a sustainable resource. Right. That's just a very interesting idea, I think. Yeah, so chickens, um, I mean, there was a huge amount of um, ideas that kind of came up when we were thinking about donating in Africa. And the reason why we chose chickens was um, for sustainability. So they each the chicken's lifespan is seven years. Um, we bought farming chickens, not the local chickens. The disadvantages of that was um, they can't just walk around on the ground when they're out there. They have to stay in the chicken coop the whole time. But the advantages are that they are laying twice as many eggs um, and they're bigger eggs. And with the bigger eggs are more protein. And these kids really need protein. They're mm. just really not getting any. So um, in addition to being sustainable, um, they're new nutritional and then with what they're economical as well because whatever surplus um, eggs they have they're they are selling for um, that facility so some of the uh, we built at three places and one thing that the first place we built at is using that money for is buying school supplies so these kids can get um, pens and pencils and pads and now they're um, able to use these things at school okay now how did you get involved with this work in Tanzania my um, after my sophomore year here at Michigan, I decided to go as far away from what I was used to as possible, and oh, okay. um, I had visited Africa when I was eight with my mom on a safari, and wow. uh, it was just always in the back of my head. I really want to go back to East Africa. I really want to go back. And then this program that I went with, which was called Cross Cultural Solutions, has two different home bases in um, in Tanzania. There's one in Kilimanjaro, and then there was one in um, more in the city, which is where I was, in, uh, right outside of Arusha. And so I decided to volunteer for a month, and that's how I ended up there. Um, and then just keep on going back. I'm going to be back there in two weeks for spring break, so it'll be the third time right to that area. And then assuming that this project goes, I might be back in the fall for an extended amount of time. Great. And there's also, you were telling me there was a fundraiser coming up in Ann Arbor. There is. There's a fundraiser on um, February 17th, so that's next Saturday evening, um, and we were lucky enough to get the uh, Michigan Theater to help us out with this, so we're having the event at the Michigan Theater, and it's at 6 p.m., and at the event, we are going to have, in addition to food and a live band, um, we're having a silent auction, and this has been really positive thing to get going because a, a large amount of organizations and businesses in Ann Arbor have been helping us out and right now we have I think around 60 items that have all been donated um, very generously by all sorts of places around here so you can find pistons tickets and pottery and gift certificates and massages and photographs and paintings and anything I mean there's a ton of stuff there it's really exciting what we've come up with great and that is at the Michigan Theater on Saturday, February 17th at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that's to benefit the Olivolos Project. Right. Well, we're going to take a break just a moment now and hear some music from Tanzania. And if I can get this uh, iPod that you have provided working, <laughs> I, I'm very excited about this whole 21st century opportunity to play this music. The play is the, the middle button? The middle button. Okay, I Hit think it. I can do this. Uh, this, now this should be a song called Hakuna Mungu Kama Wewe. Right. And, uh, goes like this.
This is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN, and we're listening to a piece of music. I mis- misnamed it, actually. The music is called E Yahweh Sibanga, and it's by a church group in Tanzania called Kijitonyama Lutheran. Actually, the group is from Kijitonyama Lutheran, and the tune is called E Yahweh Sibanga. And that's provided by Dory Gaines, who is my guest in the studio. Hello, Dory. Hi, how are you? Good. <laughs> And Dory is, you've just tuned in, a U of M senior who is doing a lot of work in Tanzania. And we were talking about the chicken coops that you worked on, also providing chickens to some people in Tanzania who needed them. Right. And that, I wonder about the logistics of that. There must, must have been a lot of work and a lot of planning involved with that. Yeah, the actual, I'd say that the project went pretty much according to plan. There was one funny thing that happened and... Uh, we, I knew we were ordering 300 chickens, and that was kind of the plan going in, and we had pre-ordered them ahead, so I had wired some money over to Africa, and this guy I was working with, his name was Bosco, um, said that they were going to be ready to be picked up about two days after I got there. So uh, we had been working that day. We had started building our first chicken coop at an orphanage called Safe Haven Orphanage, um, and that's outside of Moshi, which is close to Mount Kilimanjaro. And uh, Bosco said, let's go pick up the chickens. And I said, okay, let's go. And then we met, um, we were supposed to meet this woman at this place. And I assumed that, I don't know how she was going to give them to us, but maybe in a large container or something. And I was slightly concerned. I said, Bosco, do we need like a larger car? And he said, no, 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 this is fine. We ha- This car's fine. And this is like a little, little tiny four-door sedan. And For 300 chickens? For 300 <laughs> chickens. So um, we get there and he's like, she's going to be here in about half an hour. Let's go, let's go get something to eat. And we can just wait um, on the side of the road when she comes. And I said, okay. Still thinking that I had no idea how it was going to work. And um, about 15 minutes into dinner, he said, hold on. And he had gotten a phone call. And um, I assumed it was somebody else. But he ended up going um, and he came back maybe 10 minutes later and said, oh, I got the chickens. And I said, well, where are they? And he's like, they're in the car. And I said, where where in the car are they? And he said, oh, they're all in the front seat. And I said, <laughs> Bosco, how can we have 300 chickens in the front seat? And I go up into the front seat and these chicks are three days old, oh. brand new, in three boxes that are just stacked up on the front seat. So oh my. the the only issue with that was that the, old, the chickens just now started laying eggs this month, um, six months in, because they start laying their eggs six months after they've been born um but it was pretty funny because i was holding like 20 chickens in my hand at one time and these little (laughs) little tiny things they were fun the kids loved them the kids loved holding them and we let them play around for a while so it was surprising but it ended up working out good so they're just are they peeping their heads out of these little boxes or are they uh, Uh, they're closed boxes with holes i mean they can breathe Uh, (laughs) peeping peeping a lot of peeping a lot of peeping yeah we made a documentary and there's just all these peeping noises but (laughs) they they're really um we had the food ended up coming in uh, maybe a little bit later than it should have because we had to wait until the next day since all the pet shops were closed and by the time we finally gave them something to eat the peeping was just crazy (laughs) it was really loud but they got their food they got their water and they were pretty happy Good. And then you had to build a chicken coop. Yeah. Um, and this was something that I probably should have uh, built a plan for before we got to Africa, but I wasn't really sure what um, what type of materials we were going to have. So my mom ended up making um, one of her donations to the project was sending us there with all these tools. So we showed up with um, a large assortment of nails and hammers and staple guns and tape measures and those sorts of things. And then when we got there, we basically went to the um the lumber guy and I kind of sat there with my notebook and I made up a plan and I wasn't sure it was going to work and I'd say that the last the last of the three chicken coops was definitely much stronger than the first but um Hmm. 
the plans were all relatively the same. Um, the wood, depending on which lumber place we were getting it from, was different sizes, so we had to adjust a little bit. But it ended up working out. There was a few things that um, we definitely needed help with, so we ended up hiring a carpenter that came with us a few of the days, and he was really helpful. And um, the top part, which is called the ashet, and it's just this... Um, material that we put on top to protect the the coops from the rain and then he was also I didn't know how to mix cement and make cement so he took care of that and then the rest of the building was pretty straightforward just building putting holes in the ground and we made sure that uh, the coops were safe from smaller predators so we had to put wood up a little higher than I expected to so we ended up with a lot of leftover chicken wire but we donated that to um, Jane said she had other uses for it so it ended up all being used just not in the places we thought it would. Oh okay and you say that the chickens, there are 300 chickens, and they're all laying one egg a day? On yeah, average? there was a few. Um, the first, when we moved, so all the chickens were together in the beginning because it was easier when they were younger. They had to have heat um, with them or else they'd get too cold at night. So we kept all the chickens together until they were about two or three months old. And then we moved them. And when we moved the chickens from the first orphanage out to the other two, um, we actually went into a colder region. So the first night we lost a few chickens at Jane Center. We lost, I think, 19. Um, but then since then, there hasn't been any issues at Jane Center. In Back in Moshi, where the other two centers were, um, they had their rainy season come in pretty quick and it flooded for a second, but we had to tilt the roof so it was a little bit higher and then it kept the rain out. So we lost a few chickens there, but everyone else is still alive or all the other, all the other ones are still alive and, and doing well, so... Very good. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk, I think, in a moment uh, again about just to reemphasize the Olivolos project and the fundraiser at the uh, for the Olivolos, which is coming up uh, on the 17th at Michigan Theater. First, we're going to hear a little bit of music. This is also from Tanzania. This is an earlier recording. This is actually from an LP, which is technology that I am more familiar with than iPods. <laughs> but this is a Wagogo soothing song featuring... Um, Two players with 11-string zeze sing to a child who cannot sleep. They imitate the sounds of wildlife around them, including the songs of birds, saying music is a trick to stop the child from crying. And this is from a collection on the Explorer series, and we're going to hear that right now. Yeah. 
This is music from Tanzania to soothe a child who cannot sleep. This is from an album called Africa, Ceremonial and Folk Music, Music of Tanzania. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and I'm here with Dory. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Again. Yes. And uh, we're talking about the work you've done in Tanzania, and specifically the Olivolos Project, Mm -hmm. which is going to have a fundraiser now. And just to reiterate, uh, the, the goal is to buy land in an area near running water and electricity in Olivolos, the town, and build an orphan orphanage and school. Right. And there's a fundraiser coming up at the Michigan Theater. The Michigan Theater on yep. February 17th, and that's going to be at 6 p.m. Um, and there's going to be food, entertainment. We're actually going to so we're actually going to show the um, a screening of the documentary which I made, um, a shortened version. It's probably going to be about 30 minutes, and we'll show the, all the kids that we're working with, and you can actually see their faces and see how they interact with Jane and everyone else that's around, and also all of the work we've been doing with the chicken coops and stuff. That'll all be there. What Along with the silent auction, yeah. What was it like making the documentary? It was challenging. It took up a ton of time, but um, it was really nice to see those kids again, to see their faces and to try and put together something to show other people because I thought that one of my biggest goals was that, um, or more of a responsibility, was to show people what I saw when I was there because I thought if they could, I might be able to get something going. So um, as an obligation I had to myself, I thought that I should promote awareness just for the center. Um, at that point, I didn't really know I was even going to be continuing on with the project, but I thought it was important just to show, show my experiences to others. And I was going to do that through, through the video. So it's been really nice to show. Great. And aside from being a U of M student, you're also finding time to do all of this, which I think is very impressive and very good. (laughs) (laughs) It's a challenge sometimes. Um, I've definitely cut out any of my 
TV watching. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wake up in the mornings and it's pretty much either schoolwork or the project. Um, my days are kind of planned up like that, but it's really rewarding. And when you, um, just the donations that we've been receiving are so encouraging. And even if I sometimes doubt that the project's going to be able to go as planned, then there's little reminders that everything's working out. So it's it's been really great. Um, I wouldn't want to be spending my time right now doing other stuff. And I'm excited, really excited for the, the dinner we're having and uh, less than a week after that, we're going back. So we'll be there for 10 days and hopefully... Back at, back to Tanzania. Back to Tanzania, yeah. Back to the Olivos village. Um, we're hoping to meet with some contractors and actually lay the foundations, um, build up the plans so that when I return to um, return back in the fall to live there, we'll have something going on. So so you're moving there in the fall, yes. That's the plan, yeah. Plan after right? after fundraising is done, I'm hoping to live there. Um, hopefully we'll be living, or I, I will be living in the orphanage that we're building. Um and it's estimated to take about six months. So if we get it going now, by the time I go back, I might be able to be there right with the kids, help them transition in, teach them every morning, um, and do the do the African life for at least four months, maybe a year, but it'll just depend on how it goes. And you taught English before, is that correct? Yeah, English. Okay. I was teaching to 11 and 12-year-olds earlier, and it was just great. The kids were they were so um, eager to learn. They just listened, and they had the most energy out of any kids I've ever seen. It was one of the things we, uh, they love tongue twisters. And oh, yeah. I used to put up Peter Piper, picked a peck of pickle peppers and the kids would practice it for, I'm not hours, but they would practice it forever. And they'd be so excited in the morning. If anyone could do it, they'd all clap and yell and cheer and they all wanted to try. So that was really fun. Great. Did you do how much wood, 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 chuck, chuck, up wood, chuck, we wood, did. chuck, wood? Yeah, okay. And they even <laughs> taught me one. They taught me one that said, Katai was a Maasai girl. Katai could tie and untie a tie. If Katai could tie and untie a tie, how many ties could Katai? Something like that. I can't remember the rest of it. It's a tongue twister, right? We're wow. not supposed to know the whole thing. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So the kids are awesome. I'm really excited to see them. I actually watching the documentary just recently and seeing their faces is just really encouraging to keep on going and moving the project along. Great. And I wanted to mention the website. I, I don't know if I've spelled it out yet on the air, but I want to make sure to do that. Olivolos Project. Actually, the website is theolivolosproject.org. Mm -hmm. And Olivolos is spelled O-L-E-V-O-L-O-S. Right. And again, just a reminder, there is a fundraiser at the Michigan Theater Saturday, February 17th, and that is at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Music and a silent auction and food and other assorted things, too. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dory, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us about the work you've done in Tanzania. You're welcome. I'm so glad to be here today. Great. And we're going to hear, go out with some more music of Tanzania, as a matter of fact. This is a piece by, called Sambara. It's by Habib Koite and Bamada. And you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Coming up in a few minutes, it's Face the Music with Our Wolf. And we'll take you out with this music right now. Ne wara si gaso, kasamara sa, 
past 7 o'clock. This is Radio Free Ann Arbor, WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. We're the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement, broadcasting from the belly of the beast. Experimental radio at the University of Michigan, run by students, infiltrated and supported by workers from the Ann Arbor community. And now a word from Leroy Foster. Welcome to Fake... Fake... Yes, welcome to Fake the Music, 
Welcome to Face the Music. This is your national anthem. <laughs> 